This is the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast, and this is episode number 13. Here we go. Welcome to the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast, where we serve up fresh slices of today's marketing so you can start working on your business and stop working in your business. And now, your host, Bruce Irving. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. This is episode number 13, and I am Bruce, your host. And I have on with me today someone from Detroit, and he decided to create his own Detroit-style pizza. And he was had everybody talking about New York-style pizza, Chicago-style pizza, but he grew up on a different style of pizza. So he's like, he said, you know what, I'm going to really put Detroit-style pizza on the map. And that was his mission, to make sure that everybody knew that Detroit actually had some good pizza. And in the process of doing that, he really learned how to grow a business. You know, he started out as a delivery driver with no no uh, thoughts of really owning his own place. And when the one that he worked for came up for sale, he decided to team up with his mom. And through the learning process, he grew his business to, you know, a couple locations now and not only that he consults he has an e-commerce store where he sell, sells his detroit style pizza he, he he's won competitions for his pizza and he really is a smart guy really talks about getting out there and networking and using systems to really grow your business and how you really have to treat your business like a business and not as a cook but you really have to learn read books get out there and talk to people who have done it and succeeded and been who are where you want to be, and you really got to go out there and meet those people. So we get into all that and more in this episode of the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast with Sean Rendazzo from the Detroit Style Pizza Company. Hope you enjoy it. Here's in the pizza business. I started as a delivery driver back in 1995. Uh, shortly after that, a couple of years uh, into that, the person that I worked for was overworked, kind of burnt out, looking to sell the place. I was super young at the time. I really wasn't jumping, you know, at the opportunity. I didn't have money saved aside, but I did mention to my mother that, you know, the owner was looking to sell the place. So she worked as a waitress at a local restaurant, and a couple months after I had mentioned it to her, she had given me a call on her break and asked if I'd ever thought about going into business with her and never would have crossed my mind in a million years. But very long story in itself, uh, you know, in 1997, we purchased the place I worked for as a pizza delivery driver first eight years, I'll be honest, we're uh, really, um, we, we learned a lot, school hard knock style, made a lot of mistakes. Uh, we got to the point where, you know, when we first took over, it was fresh blood. We had a lot of energy, a lot of new ideas. We did great. I mean, we almost doubled business right out the gate. And then it kind of sort of, sort of went stagnant and we were kind of at the same pace for quite a few years there. So in 2005, I kind of just made a pact to myself that I would continue to educate myself. So, you know, prior to owning the business, we didn't really have a background in, in business. We always had an entrepreneurial spirit, but, you know, I made a pact to never stop, never stop learning. So I started taking classes, listening to consultants, reading books, plugging myself into the expos and uh, industry events that were available. And from that point, we really, really was a kind of like a turning point. A couple of years after we made that, uh, choice to become sponges and learn as much as we could, not only about the pizza business, but business in general. We opened our second location in 2007. Uh, 2009, fast forward to then, you know, I kind of, you know, things were humming along and, you know, I always seen these pizza competitions at the big shows and I decided to take our pizza to the Pizza Pizzazz competition in Columbus, Ohio, 
uh, and that was 2009. Uh, there was about 70 competitors from all over the country, and I brought my Detroit-style pizza there, and it's only about three and a half, four hours from Detroit. Mm-hmm. And when I showed up there and you know started the competition, I was the only one with a rectangle-shaped pizza with caramelized cheese around the edge and sauce on top, and that really blew my mind because... You know, at this time, I really didn't do a lot of traveling and checking out different pizzas in different regions. But growing up, you know, square pizza was everywhere. It was at the party store. It's at the chain. It's, you know, anywhere you go in this region of Michigan. So I figured that square pizza was everywhere. I ended up winning first place that year in that competition, and they kind of put a fire inside of me to um, put this style of pizza on the map, so to say. And at the time and for several years, Detroit's been always getting a bad rap. So I thought, you know, I could take this awesome culinary masterpiece that uh, was created here in Detroit and and show people what they're missing because everyone's heard of Chicago, everyone's heard of New York, and then I started going to these competitions, being really successful. People are like, what's this square pizza with sauce on top? And, um, you know, people all over the country, yeah, I had mentioned Detroit-style pizza, and, you know, they've heard of New York, heard of Chicago, but they crack jokes like, what's Detroit-style? What's <laughs> for toppings? And, you know, things like that. So I felt you know, a personal mission upon myself to kind of just, you know, let the secret out of the bag. So I I thought the one way was to do these competitions. And like I said, you know, I've placed, you know, second and third and multiple competitions down the road. Fast forward to 2012. um, And around that same time, I was fortunate enough to launch our own brand, which, you know, previous to that, we had the brand that we had purchased when we um, bought the guy out that I worked for. But in 2012, we branched off and um, created our own brand called Detroit Style Pizza Company. And so I kind of took my personal passion and mission and, and made it our company's mission, which was to increase awareness of Detroit Style Pizza. Um, in the beginning, it was in the country, but um, it's been very exciting. We have, we've had people from Thailand and even South Korea come and train how to do this. And my whole idea behind it was I can't get the word out myself. You know, it's going right. to take an army of people to know how to do this the right way, And when someone says Detroit style pizza, they're not saying, oh, yeah, I've heard of Little Caesars. You know, there's a night and day difference from an authentic version to some of these other big chain version of Detroit style pizza. So I thought the way I could do it is I could train people throughout the country. And, you know, then it turned into the world on how to execute and, you know, make the style authentically. And then eventually I'll have an army of people that know how to do it right. The word will spread a lot faster. In 2012, I brought my recipe that we were going to launch with our new brand to the biggest competition in America, which is the International Pizza Challenge in Vegas. And how they do it is they have four categories. In the first place, of them four categories go into like a Food Network-style blind, blind box-timed um, competition to be crowned World Champion Pizza Maker of the Year. With out going into a bunch of detail, I ended up winning first place, winning Pizza World or Pizza Maker of the Year. World Champion Pizza Maker of the Year, and um, came back, and we were able to launch our brand under uh, with that momentum, and it was really amazing. But even taking it from five years ago to now, you know, we just got back from the Pizza Expo, and it's amazing where the style has came because it was five years ago, literally, you know, no one knew what a Detroit style pizza was at that uh, Pizza Expo and the Pizza Challenge, and now when we came back, you know, recently. You know, they had like at least a dozen Detroit-style pizzas in the competition, and there's competitors from all over the world. Some can't even speak English from Italy and Australia, Japan. There's probably 200 and some competitors all together in that competition. So, you know, sum it up, now we're still pushing forward on our mission, training people all over the world, and trying to get the word out about this amazing style of pizza. So with your t- you have two locations, you said? 
currently, you know, we actually, the, the one we bought in 2007, um, we opened a third location in 2013, but we had just, last October, we had sold our, um, our second location, and we're going to really try pursuing a downtown location in the next year here. Did you sell that to someone that's going to keep the name and keep it the same way? No, we actually had a brand come in, and um, we were actually considering um, putting it up for sale because we actually it was the one store out of our three that struggled the most, and you know we really wanted to concentrate our efforts more downtown and fine tune these two operations that we had um, humming along pretty good. But uh, you know, luck has it, we got approached by a company and said they were interested in the location, and you know it really happened really quick. And yeah, that's a different brand though. So how do you manage multiple locations? You know, and I can't say it was an overnight or even over months thing that that I was able to you know put that cap on and mindset. But you know, I really had to break myself from the um, you know the everyday operations of being, let's say, a shift leader forty hours a week or whatever. And I had to you know kind of look at everything from a thirty thousand foot view and just kind of you know make necessary changes. And the whole thing for me was bringing the value to my company. So if I can you know, whether it's catering, mail order, or consulting, or any kind of other different profit center, if I can, you know, put my time into something that brings, let's say, $50 an hour value to my business with my efforts, it sure sure is a smarter thing than just working a shift leader position, um, making, you know, $10 an hour or whatever have you. Um, you know, I'm only bringing my company that value to the business. So, you know, a good book that I read that helped me really kind of uh, make the transition, I believe, was called E-Myth, um, Entrepreneurial Myth by uh, Michael Gerber. Yeah, um, that's a good book. really puts, puts things in perspective. But, you know, like I said, I, I, I think it's a matter of having fine-tuned systems in place that can be duplicated and, you know, training when it comes to anything. And I'm a really big systems guy because without them, um, you know, it, it'd be impossible to manage and provide the right tools for your employees. So, you know, for us, we have very detailed checklists. So a guy, you know, that is hired on with us, you know, their whole job is pretty much laid out in checklists from A to Z, from the beginning of the day to the end. And anytime anything goes wrong in our business, I kind of look towards that system. So maybe to give you an example, let's say a guy leaves the grated cheese out overnight and, you know, it's not on his checklist to put it away. No big deal. I come in and, you know, it's it's out there. I might, uh, you know, mention it one time. It happens again. I look at our system. How can I make the? How can I fix this issue or problem? You know, without you know degrading somebody or making feel someone feel incompetent or you know getting angry myself. How can I fix it? So I look at the system. You know, and it's as simple as adding a sentence to their task management checklist. It's just saying, make sure Parmesan cheese is put away at the end of the night. Then now it's on there. You know, if, if they can read and they can move, you know, I can at least hold them accountable a little stronger without, you know, saying I told you this many times, whatever. So I always look at the system without systems. I don't think it's a, a very smart idea to start, you know, expanding too fast because I've seen it happen where, you know, even local places, you know, they, they just explode and have massive growth and then they get to a certain point and just start falling apart. So I don't want to go too far into it, but, you know, I have a complete philosophy about the way we'd like to grow as well. And I'd rather have, you know, people inside our stores who have, you know, sweat and, and been through and know our philosophy, our culture, our values, and all that own a place down the road rather than just some guy with a big fat check saying, I want to open 10 places. So I'd like to build a strong foundation before we start really expanding. How many, how many employees do you have currently? 
currently between the two locations, we have approximately, I'd say, 13 employees. Oh, wow. And how do you go about finding those employees? Is there any particular things that you look for? Sure. Um, you know, it's a good question because it is one of my biggest jobs is to create and maintain teams of people that, um, you know, fall in line with our culture and our values. And I found some of the best ways are just simply being aware of who you come in contact with. Um, a good example, I had a guy from Jimmy John's, um, this was a few years ago, who blew me away with, you know, he, I got some subs delivered. He blew me away with his customer service and at the door. And, you know, I just uh, said, I just put out there, you know, how long have you worked for Jimmy John's? And, you know, it might seem a little weird trying to, you know, take other employees from places, but, you know, he really, um, he really proved that he had some awesome skills. And I was curious if he was happy where he worked. And, um, you know, fortunate enough, he was actually getting ready to quit. And he's just, you know, looking for another job. I told him, you know, here's my card. Give me a call. We set up an interview. One of our top customer service employees was him. So I guess scouting is like one of the biggest, you know, if they're in a position where they're proving themselves to have the you know, values that you look for in your company and all of that, you know, why not open your mouth and see if they're happy where they're at and things like that. I think that's I think that's a fantastic tip. I always tell people that the best place to look for employees is in your everyday life because you never know, like right. you said, when you're going to meet someone who maybe has aspirations to do bigger things than what they're currently doing and in their opportunity sure. where they're at, they don't they might not have that opportunity. And if you can provide that for them, then that's a great tool that you could have that they don't have in their current location. Oh, yeah. So always, you know, like you, exactly what you said, if you see, if you're out and you see somebody that's doing a fantastic job, I mean, you always have room for great employees. Sure. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. And when, when someone does come in, so you get a new employee that comes in, how do you uh, assimilate them to your system? Is there a training process? Is there like a, a training time frame or how do you do that? Sure. Yeah, we, we actually, um, before we used to have just dry erase markers and, you know, extensive lists of paper with things to check off and we, we scratched all that and now we're using we're up to par with technology and we have ipad in our um, operations and we kind of use it as our central operation system where you know every checklist that you can think of and every reference every chart is packed into that um, little app that we have on the ipad so for training we use a system and it's the same system we use for our daily um, position checklist, our daily prep checklist, and, you know, all the different intertangled checklists that we use. So is it something that they can just, is it like an Excel sheet, or is it something that they, it's, it's a customized thing for your company? We use a program, um, it's called JOLT. It's a task management system, very feature-rich, very extensive. We looked at uh, many different programs, and the main thing we were looking for is something for our training that we could use videos, we could, you know, have quizzes, we could, you know, just list all kinds of different things to go over. And, you know, we came across this one program that, um, you know, if you wanted to check it out, it's uh, joltup.com forward slash pizza. But um, it is what we use for, like, our central operation system, meaning that, you know, our everything's on there. So if they need to reference something in our recipe book, um, you know, they can go straight there. If they want to watch a video on how to prep our green peppers or, or anything prep-wise, you know, we don't have all the videos uploaded yet, but our idea is to, you know, create this thing as a, you know, very resourceful tool for our employees. What was the so name of that again? Training, um, it's called Jolt. It's, G-A-O-L-T, uh, is that it? Yeah, so, you know, if you want, I believe you can check out a demo, but it's Jolt, J-O-L-T-U-P dot com forward slash pizza. Okay, that's great. That's great. I never heard of that before. I'll have to check that out. 
Yeah, it's really cool. That's so you take videos with your iPhone or any camera, and you can just upload them to that. Yep. Well, yep. that sounds like that sounds like a very easy to do training method. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and it's very effective. Um, definitely much more effective than just trying to train someone off the seat of your pants because things will be missed. Yeah, definitely. Training is the most important part, I believe. Don't you? Don't you agree with that? Oh yeah, yeah. Right. It's um. You know, we hear some of these people come on board with us and hear of some of the stories of turnover at some of these major chains, and, you know, I don't know how they do it. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so now when it comes to getting your name out there and marketing, what kind of marketing methods are you using that you find are most effective for you? Most effective by far, I would have to say, and, you know, I tell our clients that we consult um, this even is, you know, even better for them in areas where, you know, this pizza is not known or, you know, there's no other Detroit-style pizzas, but even in our own backyard, um, it's still get the pizza, get the product in their mouth. You know, we have a superior product. Um, our pizza is amazing. It's won all kinds of awards, and it's just a matter of people getting to taste it one time and, and get them hooked. So, you know, our by far uh, most effective marketing is going out, and what we would do is we, we like to stay consistent with it every week, and we go and we do like 10 to 14 small pizzas. We have 10 to 14 envelopes stuffed with a magnet, an envelope, another voucher for a free small one-topping pizza. And we just go business to business and we, you know, go in there, shake hands, tell them about, you know, we're right down the street, um, give them a little bit of information and let them know, you know, we got the sample pizza right here. And when you guys are ready, we have another free pizza for you. And usually that same week we get, at least 50% of those vouchers back return. So, and that week after we pass them out, we'll see five or six vouchers return. But on top of that, we've seen, you know, in that same week, employees that may have been there that don't have the voucher saying, you know, they tried a piece and they're in love. So basically, you know, give you hundreds of thousand dollars of costly mistakes. And, you know, I even told uh, my cousin not too long ago, if you can learn from other people's mistakes, you're way ahead of the pack because, um, you know, I, I will admit, you know, we've made hundred thousands of dollars of mistakes in our 20 years, uh, for sure, I'm sure. But, um, you know, being able to find someone that's been or where you want to be, and if you can trust them and honestly just pick their brain and, and learn from their mistakes, you're in a way better position than if you're to just try to do it all alone and, you know, try to conquer those challenges as they come. So how would someone that's just in that position, what, what would you suggest they do? How would they go about finding those people or meeting those people? Sure. Well, the thing for, that worked for us was just getting ourselves into the industry, meaning, you know, every year there's a huge pizza expo. That is a number one source for information. John, so you were saying, hey. all right, so you were saying, so if someone's looking to get into uh, where they're kind of growing their business, they're at a point where they want to expand, you said go out there, meet some people, go to the pizza expo. How would they go about contacting someone to find a mentor? What, what would you suggest they do? Well, you know, like they go to the Pizza Expo, and there's over 70 different seminars and different, uh, you know, different subjects. But, you know, whatever is relative to what you're trying to achieve, go check them out. If you connect and, you know, can relate with someone, um, you know, that would be a, a good uh, person to maybe go up, you know, get their information and see if, uh, you know, they offer any kind of training or consulting. But, um, you know, the Pizza Expo is a great place for it. You can go online and look for consultants for this and that, but, you know, I, I believe that, you know, seeing a person face-to-face, -face, meeting with them, if you can, get to know them, you know, if you, if you feel good about it, um, 
you know, that would be what I would recommend. And you got to get out there and meet some people. I mean, be, being face-to-face, be, talking to someone on the phone or over email or on Twitter or something is not exactly the same as meeting someone face-to-face. Exactly. And usually those guys those guys are pretty nice guys. They'll talk to you if you get a second, don't you think? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, we're, I do some seminars and do workshops at Expo. I'm a very, very busy person there, but um, always make time for anyone reaching out because it reminds me of, you know, when I was in the same position looking for, you know, mentors and people to help me out. So I'm always very eager to help people learn. Great. So if, uh, all right, Sean, I appreciate you coming on today. Great, great information if you're uh, looking to get started in the pizza business and really grow your business. So, you know, one quick question I had for you. So you're, you do a lot of mail order, correct? Yeah. So how did, how did you get started with that? If someone has a pizza or a product and they wanted to really get into mail order, what, what would they do with that? How did you get set up with that? Sure. Well, you know, in the beginning, we've always had requests for, you know, we moved to Florida, we missed your pizza, um, how did we get it? So we would kind of accommodate those requests as is kind of basis. So, you know, I'd find myself, you know, once every other week, you know, putting an order together and getting it out. And it got to the point where, you know, it almost was uh, a little difficult to juggle with my regular schedule and I wanted to, you know, accommodate these people. So we put together a system and, you know, back to the system thing, you know, it's always... Um, you know, what we look for when we want to tackle challenges or, or fix things. But so we created a system saying, okay, we're going to put this online now because before it wasn't. And, you know, we're going to do, we're going to ship them out every Monday. We're not going to do it on the fly here and there, you know, unless there's obviously a, a special request that, uh, you know, needs special attention. But how we did it was we just put it online, you know, got that all set up and all orders that we get, you know, we process them over the weekend, we get the pizzas made, and then on Monday we package and send them out. Um, you know, after doing that for several years, uh, we had a company, Foodie Direct, contact us and want to partner and take care or put us on their site for their mail order. Um, we actually let them take over the whole e-commerce side of it. So basically now um, when we get an order, you know, we just, it goes right through their site. We get an email with a label. Um, and it's, it, we worked out great terms, but that's basically how it goes with the packaging. You know, we, uh, we've evolved the packaging throughout the years to get to where it's at now. But, um, but yeah, if you have a product and they're getting requests for your pizza to be mail ordered or shipped out somewhere, it would not hurt to think of, yeah, foodiedirect.com. They, we partnered up with them. So now they handle our e-commerce side of it. So basically when we get an order, um, we just get an email with a label attached to it and we still process all of our orders over the weekend and send them out on Monday, or actually we send them out on Wednesday now since we part- partnered with them. How did you figure out how to do the packaging for all that? Did you just trial and error? Yeah, trial and error. You know, I did a lot of packaging pizzas uh, just, you know, at our place and, uh, you know, putting them aside at room temperature outside, you know, and sticking the thermometer in it and unpacking it and all that kind of thing. But, um, you know, ultimately, you know, it has to be overnighted, um, especially if you're getting into spring and summer. But um, we have, like, different packaging in this winter than we have in the summer. In the summer, we use really thick styrofoam um, packaging that is uh, preformed and uh, very insulated. In the winter months, the few months in winter, we use like an Arctic foil rather than the styrofoam. It's kind of like an insulation that has reflective on it that we just wrap the pizzas in with gel tacks. And we used to use dry ice back in the day, but um, the gel tacks work just fine for us now. Oh, nice. And uh, excellent. So, Sean, I appreciate you coming out with me today. Where can uh, these guys, anybody who's looking for either your product or to talk to you, or where can they find you? Sure. Well, we have a website. Um, uh, we 
look at it as our resource website for Detroit Style Pizza Everything. Um, I have a blog on there. Um, you can find my contact information on there, information about our training and consulting, but it's at DetroitStylePizza.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at DETStylePizzaCO.com. Um, our pizzeria's website is DetroitStylePizza.co. And um, you can find information to contact us on there, and you know, especially if you're interested in Detroit style pizza, uh, we built this site to kind of be that one-stop shop uh, resource-wise for the style. Excellent, Sean. I appreciate you coming on with me today. Great stuff. Great, thanks, Bruce. All right, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast with Sean. He's a really smart guy. Check him out on Facebook. Um, he's Detroit Style Pizza on Facebook, on Twitter he is too, and Instagram, and you can check out his website, Detroit Style Pizza Company. Uh, check out what they're doing. He's really smart when it comes to his mail order pizzas and his consulting and all that stuff. You can check that out over there. And also, if you're on the road right now or working in your shop, just head over to Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast slash episode 13. That's this episode. And all the show notes and everything Sean mentioned all his websites and Twitter and Instagram and all that good stuff will be there in the show notes, so you don't have to worry about writing all that down now. Um, also, if you could do us a favor and give us an honest review on iTunes, that would be great. It really helps the show grow, and by the growth of the show, we can get better and more – not better guests because we've had great guests on, but I mean more exposure to more guests. So when I do email somebody, they'll be more likely to come on and give us some great information to help us all out. So do that over at iTunes. Another link will be on the show notes or on your phone. If you're on your, if you're listening to iTunes right now, you can hit a review. And also on iTunes, quick tip: if you're on iTunes, listening to the show, there's a little information circle next to the episode number. You can just hit that, and all the show notes will be in there, right on your phone. So if you want to go to the website, just hit that little button there, and it'll bring you right to the website where you can see all the information to contact Sean or myself. All right, that's it for this episode. We'll see you on Friday. Have a great week, everyone.